Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Remember going in the back with him? Investigators say Bartow waited for his patient's guardians to leave the exam room. More victims have come forward to allege that he sexually abused them. 20 years ago, this predator should have been stopped. Victims came forward, but no one would listen. No one would believe. If they would have did their jobs properly, like they're supposed to do, it could have stopped. But no, they chose to give a sicko back his ability to touch other children, which he did. Wow. We're talking about a Pennsylvania pediatrician, Dr. Johnny Bartow of Johnstown. Dozens and dozens of victims coming forward. Joining me right now, Dr. Wendy Dickinson, psychologist, founder of Grow Counseling. Stephen Lampley, a detective extraordinaire, renowned family and divorce lawyer, Kathleen Murphy. And joining me right now, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter and author of Beautiful Life, the CSI behind the Casey Anthony trial, Robin Walensky. Robin, who is this guy? This is a male pediatrician for many, many years, for decades, worked as part of a practice at Laurel Pediatric Associates with other doctors. 
And parents in the area would take their babies and their toddlers and their teens for all kinds of treatments. Your your kid has a cold, the whole gamut, and he would treat them. But clearly there was something very wrong going on in the background with this guy for decades. You know, when you say clearly there was something going on with this guy for decades, what do you mean by that? Well, there were allegations, Nancy, that the kids, some of them, would go to their moms and dads and say the doctor touched them. Take a listen to our friend at WTAJ. This is Lindsay Kennett. Investigators say Barto waited for his patient's guardians to leave the exam room or would use his body to hide the alleged assaults. Bartow's medical license was revoked in January. Attorney General Josh Shapiro said this investigation is ongoing and thanked the victims for their courage coming forward. It takes victims oftentimes a long time to come to grips with what happened, uh, for them to have confidence that people will believe their truth and to come forward and and share what happened. Uh, That's very normal, and that's not something that victims should ever be criticized about. No one should fear coming forth. Share that information with us. Have you noticed, too, Dr. Wendy Dickinson, a psychologist, founder of Grow Counseling, that the victims are now adults, and they are finally being heard for the first time. For those of you listening, if any one of you have been a victim of Dr. Johnny Bartow, B as in brother, A-R-T-O, or you know someone that has been his victim, please call 412-565-7680. Repeat, 412-565-7680. Dr. Wendy, what does that do to a person to be molested by someone? Your your parents take you in, you deliver you to the molester, then they don't believe you when you try to explain what happened. Yeah, it- absolutely messes with children's development because it's outside the scope of normal development. We ought to be able to trust our caregivers. We ought to be able to be believed by our caregivers. And we shouldn't have things introduced into our world, um, sexual experiences, things that are beyond our developmental level. And so it really affects uh, children's ability to develop, which continues to affect their ability to develop as adults. Um, And then when they look back, Um, As an adult with a fully developed brain, they see things differently. They start to understand um, what really happened. And it can actually be, uh, you know, ongoing levels of trauma, a trauma they experienced as a child, and then a a traumatic experience as an adult recognizing what happened to them as a child. I earlier asked, who is Johnny Bartow? This is what I have learned. This guy, Dr. Johnny Bartow of Johnstown, Uh, spent decades abusing children in the exam room there at his pediatric practice, which was in western Pennsylvania. He also abused children at local hospitals. He opted, he chose to become a pediatrician, so he would always have a supply of children to molest. Kathleen Murphy, some of the molestations actually occurred while the parents were in the room. I, 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 I'm speechless. Nancy, you asked who he was. This guy was such a groomer that the people in the community said he groomed our whole community. He held himself out as a very specific good man. 
and when his charges first came out in 98, they held rallies for this guy. He was so effective at convincing these parents that he was a good man. Who were his typical victims, Robin Walensky? Right, Nancy. The people that he was molesting were little girls as young as a two-week-old. I mean, how disgusting is that? And these women, you know, you think about it as a young girl. You have to turn the clock back to when your mom would take you or dad take you to the pediatrician. I can remember my pediatrician. And you go there, and this is the doctor. This is the guy with the name on the door in possibly wearing a white lab coat, looking all official. And you, there's a trust factor that this is the guy that's going to cure you of your sore throat when you're a little five- or six-year-old girl or younger. And then this person is inappropriately touching you. I, I, I can't think of anything worse. So bottom line, his typical victims were prepubescent girls, one infant, some boys. That is correct. Take a listen to what uh, the news reporter at WPXI, Gordon Loach, discovers. The attorney general is actually afraid there are so many victims they're setting up a hotline. The attorney general, Josh Shapiro, is setting up a hotline tonight in order to find out if there are any other victims of this pediatrician from Johnstown. Dr. Johnny Bardo was first charged with abusing a 12-year-old patient in his office. After those allegations, investigators say a second person came forward, a girl who was 14 at the time, says Dr. Bardo abused her at a gathering in 2002. Bardo was first charged in January after accusations from a patient of Laurel Pediatrics Associates in Richland Township. Police say Bardo did not deny the claims, but he did enter a not guilty plea in court. And now the attorney general fears there are more victims. He tweeted, quote, these charges are deeply disturbing. For anyone else out there who's been attacked or abused, we will protect you and we will hold this predator accountable for his crimes. Bardo's medical license has been suspended. He's being held now in the Cambria County Prison. Well, here's the twist to that. To Stephen Lampley, a renowned detective, that was not the first time these charges had come up. All the way back in 2000, Dr. Johnny Barto appeared before the Pennsylvania Board of Medicine on administrative charges, not uh, criminal charges, that he molested two young girls in the 90s. But that... Board of Medicine threw out the case, let him keep practicing medicine, saying the allegations were incongruous to his reputation. Do you hear me, Stephen? 2000. That is 19 years ago. He came up before the medical board about molesting children, and they threw it out saying, well, you know what? That doesn't fit with his reputation. We believe his reputation over the two little girls. I mean, that should have raised everyone's attention right there. You're, you're correct, Nancy. It should have. And it actually did. Uh, it was a beginning in the stages of being prosecuted, uh, as I understand, until until the prosecuting attorney and the administrative judge that was presiding over the case originally were caught together at a Barry Manilow concert and had their picture made. That's when the case then got transferred over to the medical board for their review, and then they decided that there was there was not enough evidence that it was not uh, not his reputation or his background. But you know, Nancy, you and I both know it starts somewhere. Robin Walensky, I didn't know that. 
the prosecutor and the ALJ, administrative law judge, that said there wasn't enough evidence, they were at a Barry Manilow concert together? Yeah, how cozy is that? I mean, this guy had a lot of tentacles into the community. And in addition to being cozy at the concert, he knew all these other people in the town that came out and did all these rallies in support of him. So he had a lot of tentacles in the community, and people were supporting him and covering. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I'm here outside the Richland Township Police Department where Attorney General Josh Shapiro announced nearly 70 charges against Bartow, accusing him of sexually abusing 29 more victims. Monday morning, investigators filed additional charges of sexual abuse against former pediatrician Johnny Jack Bartow. Investigators say the 70-year-old sexually assaulted patients at Laurel Pediatric Associates and Conema Hospital. The alleged abuse dates back to the late 1980s, and the victims include boys and girls of all ages, even a two-week-old baby girl. Bartow is accused of inappropriately touching the victim's breasts and genitals. Dr. Bartow used his power and position of authority as their pediatrician to abuse them in those instances to feed his own sick desire. After the administrative board, the board of medicine cleared him, he apparently felt invincible. He felt that he could do anything and he continued molesting dozens of children. In fact, the whole community believed him. He became an elected school board member. After the allegation, hundreds of supporters flatly disbelieved he could be a pedophile, even though multiple children kept telling the same story. There was so much community support. There was one instance where ribbons were distributed at a high school football game when he fought the allegations back in the 90s. How do you think it made those two little girls feel? where everybody in the football stadium is wearing a ribbon to support the man that molested you. I wonder what happened to those two girls. But I can tell you what's going to happen to Dr. Johnny Bartow. A central Pennsylvania pediatrician is now facing dozens of child molestation charges after police say more victims have come forward to allege that he sexually abused them. Today, the Attorney General's office filed 69 new counts against Johntown physician Johnny Bartow. Charging documents allege that Bartow fondled girls and boys, often under the guise of treatment, and in some cases, drawing heated complaints from their parents. We are standing here together in Richland Township to hold Dr. Bartow accountable, to say that we hear the victim's truth and that this person will never see the light of day again. The 70-year-old is accused of indecent assault, child endangerment, and account of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. As Bartow sat listening in court, victims described one after the next in minute detail what happened, what he was wearing. For instance, a striped purple shirt. What the room looked like, burgundy carpeting on the walls, orange chairs, a teal stool, what he did to them, 
and how it made them feel. One victim says she can still feel Bartow's cold hands on her and can still hear that examination table paper crinkling underneath her body and that the sounds Dr. Bartow made during the molestation will haunt her, she says, until the day she dies. Another victim says because of what Bartow did to her, she rarely will see a doctor, and she's terrified of taking her children to a doctor. Another victim says she showers in the dark because she is ashamed. They uh, describe lifelong struggles of being depressed, anxious, panic attacks, distrust. They say, quote, I've lived my life in pain, hopelessness, and despair. They're now adults, Dr. Wendy Dickinson, and they're still plagued and tormented by what this doctor did. Absolutely. The uh, effects of trauma can continue well throughout our lifetime. I mean, these are significantly disruptive activities in a child's life, and it changes the course and trajectory of, of how they see the world, how they see themselves, what they internalize about themselves. Trauma is significant, and the effects are are life-changing. You know, too, Kathleen Murphy, who is a North Carolina expert in family law, the wife, Bartow's wife, says, quote, He's been lying to me about everything for all of the 52 years I have known him. He spent his whole sinister life lying and sneaking around so he could carry on his abuse uninterrupted. And she sides with the victims. What? Yeah. That's what the wife said. She had no idea. I'm still saying my same response. What? Dr. Johnny Bartow's wife says, quote, He has been lying to me about everything. For all the 52 years I've known him, he spent his whole sinister life lying, sneaking around so he could carry on his abuse uninterrupted. Even his wife was shocked and is siding with the victims. Is it true, Robin Walensky? That even after he's charged, people in the area would not accept the truth and even launched a Facebook group to support him? That is correct, Nancy. There was a Facebook group uh, supporting him. And let me say this about the wife, okay? She was convinced by these other parents and the other victims, and she was in court as a prosecution witness testifying against her husband she sided with the victims not with him once she got wind of it and once she was convinced that these women were telling the truth about this horrendous abuse and being touched in places where the doctor should not be touching you the doctor johnny bartow will face 79 to 158 years in prison practically guaranteeing he will die behind bars. He pled no low to the account, to the charges of attacks on non-family members, which means he didn't deny them or admit them. Take a listen to WSFA 12 News reporter Mark Jimenez. John Bartow, make no mistake, is a sexual predator who chose to become a doctor so he could have unfettered access to defenseless children. His assaults took place from the late 1980s through the 1990s and the 2000s, continuing up until January 
of 2018. And I especially want to say how proud I am to be standing here today with these brave survivors. I'm back here in this Cambria County Courthouse to discuss the sentencing, of course, of Dr. Johnny Bartow, a sexually violent predator who has now been held accountable for his abuse of 31 child victims. Dr. Bartow used his position of authority as a pediatrician, the family doctor relied on to treat and heal their children, to feed his own sick desires. 20 years ago, this predator should have been stopped. Victims came forward, but no one would listen. No one would believe. I am relieved that he is behind bars and unable to harm any more children. We've seen that here in the Catholic Church. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in politics. And we saw it here in this community with a pediatrician for too long. At age 13, I was sexually abused by Dr. Bartow. At age 16, I witnessed the entire community surround him with support and rally for him when he was first publicly accused. He, of course, will remain behind bars for the rest of his life, exactly where he should be. Neighbors who know Jerry Westrom were shocked to see this mugshot, a man they call a nice guy and family man, arrested in a 25-year-old cold case. The person or suspect uh, we're looking for could possibly have been injured bad enough to seek uh, medical attention. Westrom is accused of killing Jean Ann Childs in this Minneapolis apartment. He would have been 27. She was 35 years old. Child's body was found in the bedroom of her apartment on June 13, 1993. Minneapolis police say in 2015, the cold case task force, along with the FBI and BCA, reviewed the case. Three years later, after consulting with an online genealogy website, they say Westrom's DNA matched DNA evidence left at the crime scene. There is no known relationship between the individuals, and that's what makes these sort of cases so hard to solve. Wow. In the last days, we learn a well-respected, quote, hockey dad, a local businessman charged with murdering a woman all the way back in 1993. You know what? <laughs> Justice doesn't sleep, right? After many, many hiccups, cops match his, the hockey dad, DNA from... Nothing less than a discarded hot dog napkin at an ice skating rink. Now, <laughs> what a story. This woman, Jean Ann Childs, found brutally murdered with dozens of stab wounds in Minnesota in 1993. And now a 52-year-old married father of two busted a hockey dad? kills a woman in the 90s and he's just getting busted how do you explain that to your your boy out there playing hockey on the ice how does that work well how reliable is dna joining me right now nicole DeBoard, cheryl mccollum joseph scott morgan dr bethany marshall and robin walensky tell me about this woman jane and child's murder and where and how her body was found well nancy she was at her apartment and he clearly was over there and people were looking for her the next day when she didn't show up was he married at the time he was not married and she was not married okay 
and she's dead in the shower. I believe they found her with her socks on with water running over her bloodied, the, the corpse over her body, Nancy. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. With her socks on. Okay, right right there to Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute. The reason I asked is this. Now he's an, a well-respected businessman and hockey dad, 52 years old. The reason I wanted to know was he married at the time of her murder was why would he want to get rid of the evidence, i.e. her why would he want to kill her? But now my interest is piqued by the fact that she had on socks. Okay? Sure. The last time I heard about uh, uh, a crime, a player in a crime scene scenario wearing socks was Elliot Spitzer. You remember him? Yeah. The governor of New York. And we go to all the hookers and then, um, or I guess they were hookers, go to all the women, let me say, and they would recount that he always wore his socks. Now, does that have anything to do with this? No, but the socks aspect really sticks in my mind. Cheryl McCollum in the shower with socks, and she is murdered, bloodied, stabbed brutally. He put her in the shower to get rid of other evidence. So he's probably thinking, if I leave her in the shower with the water running, the blood will go away, and anything else I might have left on her body, like seminal fluid, Pubic hair, that'll go away as well. Back to Robin Walensky, com investigative reporter. Robin Walensky, so she's stabbed brutally in the shower. She's wearing a pair of socks. Now, me going into a crime scene, that's something that would really get my interest because that tells me she wasn't just in the shower when somebody snuck up on her. That says to me she was murdered somewhere else than put in the shower, possibly. But... And the significance of that to Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, is you need to determine whether your crime scene is a primary, secondary, or tertiary crime scene. Is that, was she murdered in the shower? Was she murdered somewhere else? Because there could be evidence there. Was this a tertiary spot where she had been transported in a car? Secondary. Dumped here? Tertiary. All this is important because if there are previous crime scenes, you need the evidence from there. Hair, fiber, uh, Touch DNA, anything you can get. Remember the Teresa Hallback case, uh, Making a Murder, the um, darling of the cable world, Stephen Avery. Remember his DNA was found on the ignition of Teresa Hallback's car. If they hadn't had that, it could have completely uh, jinxed the case, right? So every crime scene is significant. Yes, it is, Nancy. Just like the godfather of forensic science said all the, over 100 years ago, Edmond Lacard, Every contact leaves a trace. That means that all along this continuum. Uh, I love it Ed, when you throw out something I don't know. <laughs> what did you just say? Who? who? Ed, Edmond Lacard. He's the godfather of all things forensics. He his, he's famous for uh, for his for his uh, contribution to forensic science, and it even applies today, even in computer science. His statement is every contact leaves a trace and that means that everywhere we touch everywhere we go we leave something of ourselves behind and in this particular case that's important just like you were talking about with the socks nancy if this if she had not had socks on uh you know it wouldn't have piqued my interest as much but the fact that she had these on in the shower give me a break the only time i've ever done that is when i was drunk you know you show up you you get in the shower you don't take your socks off Hold on right there. I can't relate to that. I don't drink. And Cheryl McComb, if you tell him any different, I'll know where it came from. Okay, go ahead, please. 
yeah, you want you want to have this connectivity. So for me as an investigator, when I'm looking at the scene, I'm going to think, why in the world would she have her socks on? That to me tells me that this may may have started somewhere else in that particular room. And he wanted, just like Cheryl had mentioned, to keep the steady stream of water up, hoping that it's going to wash away any kind of, uh, of contacted evidence that, uh, that they may share. And see, you and I and Cheryl are looking at it for evidence. That's why the socks are, driving, are, are really driving me crazy. Now, to Dr. Bethany Marshall, who I don't care what it is, she thinks there's some slant of sadomasochism in it. I don't care what the scenario is. She will find a way. Now, I'm sure this pair of socks means something completely different to her. It's like looking at an abstract painting. Everybody sees something different. So, Bethany, go ahead. I'm sitting down. Hit me. Well, I'm glad you asked the question because when you were talking about touch evidence and washing off the DNA or whatever it was, I thought that is way too sophisticated. Um, I think that he wanted to approach her sexually. She either rebuffed him or she criticized him or some small altercation took place that turned into a rage attack. If, as I suspect, he had never killed before, he did not know what to do with all the blood. He shoved her into the shower and kept attacking her there. The, you know, I, I, I get it. Some serial killers will put somebody in the shower to wipe off the, you know, wash off the evidence. That's not your ordinary 27-year-old rageaholic, which is who I think this perp was. You know what? Jackie just gave me some information. Jackie Howard here in the studio with me. Alan Duke joining me from L.A. Robin Walensky. Please tell me this is not true. This woman was stabbed 38 times. And the guy, this so-called upstanding businessman, father, hockey dad, husband, he actually posted bond and in the courtroom were the wife and children, which I understand, and 20 other supporters what, because it happened a long time ago? It, it what, we, we, we forgot? It's just been a big Jurassic erase? Well, he's all Bond? Nancy, he's been living two totally separate lives, this guy. And I want to make the point that I believe that the, the murder actually took place in the bed because you have a comforter in that apartment that's loaded with his DNA. You have a towel, a washcloth, a footprint, so this is something that took place a long time ago, and clearly he's blocked it out of his mind. Now he's married. He's a hockey dad. He's got the two kids and a white picket fence. But at the end of the day, he's really a murderer, and all his DNA is going back to the bed, to the actual comforter in this woman's home. Stories with Nancy Grace. Do you know what? Listen to this. Uh, let me throw this to Nicole DeBoer, former prosecutor, current defense attorney. Listen to this. We were reviewing court documents that we obtained, and this woman, Jeannie and Childs, her naked body was found in her apartment. She was stabbed 38 times all over her body. Blood 
covered the walls of her bedroom, as Robin Walensky accurately pointed out. We think that's where the incident first started. All over the walls of her living room and bathroom. Now, this is according to the search warrant we obtained. The bathroom was flooding because the shower had been left on. Finger, palm, and footprints were discovered at the scene. And then it sat there. The case was reopened years later by a Minneapolis homicide detective and a Fed, FBI special agent, only because they knew there had been advances in DNA. Samples were sent to the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and a private DNA company, which is very significant here. The samples were run through an online genealogy website, which turns up this guy, the hockey dad, Jerry Westrom. So what am I supposed to believe, Nicole, that he was in the home, everything's covered with his DNA, then he leaves and somebody else comes in and stabs her? You know, it's certainly going to be interesting to hear what sort of defense they put up. Uh, but I would, I would bet that that's exactly where they're headed. Um, you know, we we have all kinds of information that makes it very clear that this was a very violent and and ugly murder. But what we don't know is whether or not there was any other DNA or any other potential suspect information in that location. And I would guess that that's what uh, what this defense will do. Well, what we need, Cheryl McCollum, is the right kind of DNA. Yes, his DNA is found at the scene, but is it semen? Is it blood? Is it touch DNA? Is it sweat? I mean, I don't know what the type of DNA is. Now, if oh, his, Nancy, I know. you do, because if know. his DNA is on the murder weapon, well, it's, you know, closed yeah. case. But if his DNA is, for instance, they had sex the day before, then, you know, the state's got right. a problem. Hit me. Well, he left his semen on a towel at the crime scene. That's pretty good all day. Was the towel bloody by chance? Well, I don't know about blood, but I know about semen. And here's the thing. I had you as a prosecutor, so I'm used to putting together a whole picture of somebody, not just one aspect, not just the DNA. But Nancy, this man has a record. And he was even charged in 2015 with something that I think you would find really interesting. Hit me. What? Soliciting a prostitute. What? Soliciting a prostitute. Wait, 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 wait. When did he solicit a hooker? 2015. And aren't there claims that the victim, the murder victim, Jeannie Ann Childs, was a hooker? Correct. So now you have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. deviant sexual mm-hmm. behavior going past the decade. Well, here's another problem for Westrom, the hockey dad. Um, in an interview, he, he denied ever being in the apartment, that he did not know the victim, and he did not have any sex contact with any women in Minneapolis in 1993. When confronted with his DNA, he told investigators he had no idea why his DNA would be present at that scene. Now, here's the beauty part. Here's the beauty part, Nicole DeBoard. Because of him saying that, the defense is locked in to that statement. See, if he had said something like, okay, I admit, I dated her, we had sex that night, and I left. 
he might have had a chance, but then coming in and lying, hey, I was I was with nobody in Minneapolis that entire year. See, we, he's caught lying. Then you have the 2015 solicitation of a hooker, and now pieces of the puzzle are falling together. If he had not lied at the get-go, mm, he might have been able to get out of this, Nicole. I agree. I agree that it's a big problem for the defense that there's a definite lie. I mean, we have DNA. It appears that he was clearly there. Uh, you know, what the defense will likely argue, though, is that it's one thing to lie about, you know, potentially being with a, with a woman that you don't want people to know that you were with. And it's a totally different thing to lie and, uh, about a murder. And and I would guess that the, that the defense will claim that what he's lying about is uh, is that he was with this woman because he didn't want people to know uh, but that doesn't foreclose the idea that uh, somebody else could have been the person who actually killed her. To Joe Scott Morgan, uh, renowned forensics expert, how reliable is DNA? Even DNA that is from a scene 30 years ago. Oh, I think that it's, it's highly reliable, uh, Nancy, and the numbers are almost undefeatable when you talk about matching. It's not like, you know, in the old days where, where we had to use only blood typing, you know, with ABO groups and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you're talking about, you know, uh, one in a thousand possibilities. This is, <laughs> you're in some of these cases, Nancy, I've actually seen studies where it goes up into one in the quintillion uh, arena. And, you know, in most cases, it's like one in a certain number, million or billion uh, chances that it could be anybody else. So I think that this is, I think that, that it is, it's stone cold, uh, a solid science. Here's another thing that's, that's very exciting about this and scary to, to a certain degree, you know, for years, the FBI has worked off of a database that's called the forensic database. And that's DNA that is collected from uh, unknowns, okay, from all of these sexual uh, sexual assault cases, homicides, from all over the country where we have unknown DNA that's collected at scenes, but we couldn't match it back to anybody. Now, because of cases like this that you're seeing coming to the forefront, my suspicion is, is that there are cold case squads working all over the country now that are going to get into this new technology using genealogy and these other databases to come in and try to begin to clear this case. I think that this is, we've, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg here as far as clearing cases goes. Robin, let's get a question to you. Do we know, I know that DNA was found on several items at the crime scene and then the genealogy website led cops to Western. I have two questions for you right now. Number one, what items at the crime scene had his DNA on them specifically was it a bed sheet where maybe they just had sex or was it a murder weapon or something in that bathroom where her body was found and two could you tell us how they staked him out and they got his known dna because see we've got the dna from her body and the crime scene we think it's him through the genealogy website but we've got to get his specific dna how do they do it take that one first okay they the items I know for sure, Nancy, were his DNA is this big comforter that was on the bed, the towel that has the semen, and there's a footprint. Those are the three that I know for sure. And then they were following him, the hockey dad, and it was his daughter's hockey game. Mm. And he's chowing down on a hot dog. Mm-hmm. 
And you know how the hot dog comes in that little paper thing mm-hmm. with the napkin? Mm-hmm. And he discards it, and bang, they've got him. Mm. Man, that is some good police work. Take a listen to our friends at Hennepin County. This is attorney Mike Freeman. Mr. Westerman's in custody. There's investigation is still going on. We're quite confident that he is the person or we would not have charged it. And the DNA shows that only he and the victim are found in the blood samples and that 99.99% of other individuals have been excluded. Mr. Westrom's blood is found in the apartment, including the comforter, a towel, a footprint, and a number of other things. There is additional Y chromosome testing being done now, but we felt we had more than enough to charge and we have done so. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash nancy.